what I do is a translation of the English language, and I spell it T-R-A-N-C-E, with the idea that words put us in a trance. They cast spells on our consciousness. There's no end of the play that you can have, and it does enlighten you. It does awaken um, awareness, and I've been at this for many, many years, but the language is immense, so there's so much left to be discovered. Essentially, that there are times of chaos and stress, there are beings from the elemental kingdom who incarnate humanly to help people grow into greater harmony with nature. And when I read that, I thought, thank God, some validation. And Jeffrey has told me that the, I think the human beings incarnate on the eighth plane, on the tenth plane is the Davic kingdom. These are like department heads, the deva of the wind, the deva of the water. These are not gods that are being worshipped as gods. And people, beings, may go back and forth between the eighth and tenth kingdom, their way to the fourteenth level. I have not studied the Vedas, but this is what Jeffrey explains to me. So when I read that, I thought this is not a, a silly fantasy. This was an intuition that I had early on. And he has said that in uh, India, people understand that they may bring through someone from the Vedic kingdom. And someone, you know, a child who may just go wandering off after some gurus or, or wise beings because this is who they are. So there's a great deal more understanding of the dimensions of reality in that culture than in this one. When language is used to subvert true intention and People are controlled by sound bites and march under their banner without knowing what they mean. This is part of the spell casting that goes on. And another reason why people, why we need collectively and creatively to take command of the English language and tune it to a higher frequency to facilitate our essential evolutionary leap from humankind to human kindness. Welcome to the scene. I'm Mystic Mark. And I'm Esoterra, and today we spoke with Laurel Erica the meta-whimsical lingual physicist, to discuss with us the synchromystic exploration, exploration of, of the, the ever-expanding ever now. We're glad you're here with us. Enjoy the ride. She is Laurel Erica, the poet herself from the ethereal realm. Laurel, how are you today? I'm really good, and I'm so delighted to be with the two of you because we are clearly very resonant kindred spirits. So thank you for this yeah. opportunity. 
It's it's a pleasure and the pleasure is all ours. Our goal with this podcast is to give people the tools to change their life for the better. And I think understanding word magic is essential to this process. So if you will, Laurel, please share with us how this came to you. When did this sort of the magic of word come to mind first? Well, I, I know I have shared this else, uh, elsewhere. I, as a child, was fascinated by words. I spoke early, and I do remember saying to my parents, I bet I now know all the words in the English language. And I was probably three or four. And my, uh, in any case, I started looking at words and finding interesting things in their spelling, like level is a level word, frontward and backward, and opposite begins with opposites, O-P-P-O. And the word parallel has three parallel lines. So I was looking at that. And most of all, what captured my imagination are words that have the same name, even though they are seemingly unrelated to each other. And the word for that is homonym. And the first homonym was, for me was bat. A man told me that when he delivered my father's sound system, a bat had flown out of the box into the tree outside. And so I, I went and stood by the tree and, and at some point realized I was expecting a baseball bat to be hanging from it. And so when I saw that everything did not have its own name, but it had to, you know, it had a, a, re, a resonant resident in the same vibration that may have no relationship to each other. And at that time, and this is late 40s, at that time, the idea that words had a significant relationship through sound rather than simply through meaning was considered a joke and it was called a pun. And puns were further considered the lowest form of humor. And so over the years, I started collecting these bedfellows. For instance, well, I have what I've, my theriography about an elemental being who goes through the looking glass into this dimension and has to deconstruct the language to find her way back home again. And so she says, at one point, I will give you some examples that are favorite ones of mine. The fact that praying sounds so savage, yet it also sounds divine. Or how about the way the prophet has become our bottom line? Now add worship or worship, parish, or perish, and it's easy to see why the world's so nightmarish. So I looked at these as, as significant synchronicities. And the word coincidence, and most you know things are dismissed as coincidence, but all that word is really saying is it is a coincidence. 
but at the same time, it is connoting that the fact that these disparate meanings came into the same sound at this, you know, that it's insignificant, but how do we really know that? I also look at coincidence as co-inside dance. So I feel in, in pursuit of that bat, that first pun I heard, I used what a friend called by accident, echolocution, to find my way through the tunneling through the English language sound system and finding these words that resonate and putting them together like pieces of a puzzle to get a picture of the consciousness of the culture as well as higher consciousness. And I don't, I, I'm, I'm wondering if that sounds very clear to you. I'm trying to condense a lot of of ideas into a few moments of speech so no and you know what this is a good opportunity to point out for people who might be listening to this and thinking oh no i lost track of what she was saying i always think of this podcasting thing as such a wonderful opportunity to learn because of that rewind button and listen to it again and layer upon layer you know if you listen to something once or twice it goes into your subconscious and conscious mind and you might find yourself you know repeating these rhymes by accident you know a couple weeks down the road so for those who may have you know felt like oh wow that's a lot of information to digest don't be, you know, don't hurt, put yourself down for that. I think that's a big part of my learning process is, is digesting this information at a, at a pace that works for me. Well, here's what else is going on is that I've, I've shared on a lot of different podcasts. So I'm endeavoring to synthesize and condense and it may not be clear to people who are unfamiliar with my work. So if it wasn't clear, don't look at it as a deficit on your part, but that I can do a better job of sharing what I'm intending to say. And so many people come to my work through the uh, video, The Secret Spells of the English Language. And I posted that in 2010. And in 2015, a woman put it on the Facebook page of Collective Evolution, and it immediately went, I don't call it going viral, I call it going spiral or global, because the idea that going vi viral is the height of success on the internet has been kind of blown out of the water since the world has gone viral and we're not very happy with it. So... This Secret Spells of the English Language shares what I call our premier life sentence. And I, this was how I put together some of the words that I found that have the same sound and different meaning behind them. And it's, so these Secret Spells, so here is a life sentence. And it is that we awake each morning and go off during the weekdays to earn our living at various jobs and undertakings until we come to the weekend. And everyone agrees that that's just a normal way of life. However, more people die of heart failure 
statistically between 6 and 10 a.m. Monday morning than any other time of the week. So I explain that what I do is a translation of the English language, and I spell it T-R-A-N-C-E with the idea that words put us in a trance, they cast spells on our consciousness. And when you translate that life sentence, you realize that awake in morning, awake is a funeral party for the dead. Morning is the state we're in when we attend awake. So when we say to someone, good morning, we're essentially subliminally saying good grief. And we would have to be staggering around like zombies in a week days to earn the living since urns are vases for the ashes of the dead. And we call our jobs undertakings. Job itself is a Hebrew word for persecuted. We talk about racing to meet deadlines instead of lifelines. And then what we get at the end of this perverse bargain with life is progressively weakened. So I never like to say to someone, have a good weekend. I'd rather say, have a good strengthened, because it is about refreshment and regrouping. And our most frequent greeting to each other is hello. And if you reverse the syllables, it becomes oh hell. And we call 10 years of this kind of living, we call it a decade. And many in the UK pronounce it decade. And so I once asked a group of people, what shall we do about hello? And one woman suggested, how about hallow? And to hallow is to make holy, to recognize as sacred. So when we say hallow to each other, it's, it's somewhat equivalent to ma namaste. The, my own essence, my own divine essence greets that within you. So when I first put that sentence together, I thought, well, sometime in the 90s, I thought, well, this is really interesting, but there was a big so what to it. And then I, I got the answer, which is that language is software and English is the leading software of the Western mind. And it's filled with cultural biases akin to computer viruses that infect our thinking with an antiquated, and manipulated vision of reality promulgated by the church as an instrument of mind control at a time when people had to surrender their minds if they wanted to keep their heads about them quite literally. And so this is, this is the, the church as an authoritarian force seeking to dominate consciousness on the planet. And we have other authoritarian sources seeking to do the very same thing at this time. And so given that the word is said to be not only in Genesis, 
but in the Genesis myths of Eastern and indigenous cultures, it's considered, it's equated with God. And so we have the power of the word. Scripture says life and death are in the power of the tongue and declare a thing and it shall be done unto you. So we have been inculcated, if you've had early religious training with this thought that words are the ultimate creative force on the planet, yet we haven't demonstrated our, any sort of faith in that capacity we have as speakers of the word. And so a vision I hold is that here we are, English is the most spoken language on the planet. There are more native speakers of Chinese, but when you look at people who know English as a second or third or whatever language, there are more English speakers and English is evidently the language of the birds. And I learned after my question about so what, about this coincidence, this coincidence of all of these words that have that are ordinary words and frequently used and yet on, on the level of sound have another layer of meaning that can color our sense of things and forms the dark glasses through which we view the world that we can collectively upgrade it. And I found that Confucius said, if given charge of the governance of a country, the first thing he would do would be to correct the language. And Orwell said, politics corrupts language and language once corrupted has corrupting real world influence. But we can create improvements by starting at the verbal end. And on my website, Word Magic Global, I have a whole uh, page of words on words, a collection of quotes from many people about the power of the word and about the necessity of evolving the language to evolve human consciousness. So this is something we could do quite rapidly and find out, is our faith in the power of the word well-founded? What would happen if if many of us started getting really creative with language and sharing the upgrades that occur. And for instance, a lot of people now, rather than saying good morning are saying grand rising. And I, I looked at the word intelligent and realized that there's really nothing smart about a brain without a heart. And so the word needs just one more syllable to turn into intelligental, which is about combining the heart and the mind. And the heart has a compass in it, and that compass is compassion. So that's compass and ION. So anyway, the word uh, language, English, is deeply informing and has been a major education for me just by playing with words. Right on. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that um, in this genre, especially this conspiracy genre, we hear a lot of people talk about 
you know, the, the secret meaning of words and numbers and how they're used. And I think that it can get a little out there, it can get a little far-fetched, but what resonates so deeply with your message, Laurel, is how commonsensical it is. And I love that portion of one of your pros that says like how uncommon common sense is because it just seems like some of these things are supposed to be obvious to us and unfortunately are not. And I think personally, I get a little lost in like the numbers sometimes and how the numbers connect to each letter, but have you looked at the significance of numbers in the same way you have words? I haven't, and, and the first part of the word numbers is num, N-U-M-D, and I just don't percolate with numbers the way I do with words. And I've found that everyone I've ever encountered who does unusual things with words all seem to have their own uh, angle on it. And so numbers, I am sure, are very enlightening. And I've, I've looked at it a little, but I, I just, my mind doesn't enjoy it as much. And there's such richness just in ordinary words. So, and, and I know where I was on many occasions when I, well, for instance, when I looked and saw, oh my goodness, the word, Earth is the same as the word heart. It's just where you put the letter H. And, I'm, and I mean, that in itself is a profound recognition. And I've asked children, what do you think is the significance of that? And one little boy of seven said, well, maybe it means that the earth is the heart of the solar system. And Another child said, well, the earth is the heart of our lives. So one of my taglines is that word magic has the power to turn youngsters into punsters and punsters into pundits in the Sanskrit sense of a pandit or a wise being. And we all are innately wise children are have fresh perception and such playful open hearts and that's where creativity comes from and creativity is where so much wisdom comes to the fore so most of us through the education system lose the faith we had as young children in our own capacity to be superheroes and enchanted elementals but i believe that children pretend to be that because it is a pretendency. It is an innate knowing that our capacity is so much greater than this limited human body-mind system. And this of all times is the time to rediscover those capacities. And for me, playing with words has, um, been a, a way of learning so much more like just people have noticed disease is dis-ease 
and history is his story. It's not a factual accounting of events, but the victor's telling of the tale. However, there aren't very many other words, I can't think of any at the moment, that are recognitions that the language is constantly speaking back to us and echoing and reflecting us. And when you play with words and you come upon one of these amazing self-defining words, you realize this is already in the language that I speak. This wisdom is innate to me. This is a reflection of who I who I truly am, someone with vision, with eyes to see and ears to hear, who has been dissuaded. We're told to, to listen and look. We're told to watch what you say instead of uh, watch and listen and told that puns are the lowest form of humor. So we have been distracted from seeing what's right before our very eyes and just play with words, turn them inside out and upside down and backward and you will discover a lot of other intelligence within them that can be deeply informing. Is that the echolocution? Yes, that, that's what, that was a slip of the tongue when I said, my friend said, you know, you navigate by echolocution. Mm. She meant echolocation, of course, but it is because I think of language as like a hall of mirrors and an echo chamber. We're surrounded by it. It's reflecting us and we have been ignoring it. And also, it's fascinating, so many words that indicate our capacity and higher intelligence are lost. They're redefined or they're dropped from the dictionary. And we forget, without a word, you can't entertain the possibility of the power of your consciousness. And I have a friend... Jeffrey Armstrong, who has been studying the Vedas for 50 years and recently came out with his own radical translation of the Bhagavad Gita. Because, and he talks about how English has colonized Sanskrit. Even in the Hindu culture, think you can make word for word substitutions between Sanskrit and English, and you can't. Because Sanskrit has so many, it has almost twice as many letters in the alphabet. And it has words about levels of consciousness that we can't contemplate because we don't have the language for it. And so that's another reason for getting creative and starting to invent words that have the capacity to convey a higher frequency of consciousness in our communications and inspire a greater frequency of kindness in our interactions. Because I look at that earth heart parallel as a clear indication that we are on planet earth, E-A-R-T-H, we are, we are to get a heart. And that when we, and our third ear is located in our heart. And when we put our ear to the earth 
and listen to our hearts, we become oracles, we become truth tellers. And there's so many layers upon layers of, of significance in, in simple, familiar, ordinary words. And for me, ultimately, we're here on planet Earth to learn to love because it is Earth heart. And with global warming of the earth, the only thing that will save us from <laughs> suicidal tendencies is global warming of the heart so that we share our limited resources and inspire higher consciousness as we speak in each other. Right. And this, this brings to mind the, uh, the story of the Tower of Babel. And, and doesn't it seem like, you know, another one of these coincidences that when two people don't see eye to eye, they tend to babble uh, when they argue with each other, you know, and the Tower of Babel is all about splitting the one language into all these different languages. And I tend to, to think that, yeah, we can find so much more truth in the root meaning of words than we can in the word's definition itself. And I think that when we trace the prefixes and the suffixes of certain words, we're able to find a, a level of meaning that might be not obvious, not so common sense, like most of the most of the more fun ones. But you know, have you looked into the prefixes and the suffixes and how those factor in here? A little bit, but etymologies have not been my focus. I, I really enjoy hearing those who have focused in that direction. I look at what I call linguistic synchronicities, mm. which are, you know, wondering what is the magnetic force that causes words and sounds from different cultures, continents, and centuries to come into resonance with each other. So the two forms of prey, P-R-A-Y and P-R-E-Y, do not come from the same uh, roots, but they coincide anyway. So they are these linguistic synchronicities. And roots, of course, has a second, <clears throat> a second uh, word in it, and that's R-O-U-T-E-S, and pathways. Yeah. And so etymologies are about not only the roots of words, but the roots they've taken to take hold in one culture or another. So, I mean, there's no end of the play that you can have, and it does enlighten you. It does awaken um, awareness. And I've been at this for many, many years, but the language is immense. So there's so much left to be discovered. And in terms of the word, you know, or words meaning or definition, let me see if I can find, oh, I know where I have it. I wrote a piece called The Mean Meaning of Mean. And we talk about what a word means, but what does mean mean? And so um, just reading a paragraph from a blog I wrote, mean means many things in addition to intention and signification. It also means offensive, selfish, nasty, small-minded, 
ignoble, stingy, inferior in quality, of little importance, bad-tempered, in poor condition, shabby, and average. And demean means to debase and to degrade. Anyway, it goes on from there. So, so there's an interesting word. What does a word mean? Well, what do you mean by mean? And why are we using that word to define something essentially sacred? And let's see if I can find a quote. Yeah, I wrote a blog last year around this time called Politics is No Party. And in it, I quote Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr., who was a 19th century physician and poet and highly educated influencer. And he said, life and language are alike sacred, homicide and verbicide. That is violent treatment of a word with fatal results to its legitimate meaning, which is its life, are alike forbidden. And Socrates said, that incorrect language is not only a mistake, it implants evil in men's souls. So then we have the word definition, and in definition, it starts with deafen. We are deafened to our definitions. And so how can you be of sound mind if that's the case, if you're mm -hmm. deafened to all these other reverberations within a single word right right and and you know even the word explain things might seem so plain when we let the wrong people explain things to us you know and i i think what you do is very much what was spoken of this song of the birds because it's like spirit rings sing you know you're singing this stuff into existence for people it's resonating with them as they're listening whether they're listening to this you know today tomorrow in the future 20 years from now you listening right now this is having a impact on you on a subtle level the the words and every single word you hear uh, throughout your day throughout your life and every word you speak into existence has that same impact so once we understand the the weight we're carrying with our words we try to be a little lighter so we're not you know hitting people with such a strong you know, vibration, definition, and meaning of what I meant to say. It's like, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't have said it in the first place. <laughs> well, and we have phrases like shooting off our mouths <laughs> and, and making a point mm. and trash talking. And mm. when you're trash talking, I mean, there are words with ugly intention in them in your mouth, in your energy field. You may be spewing it out into the world, but it all comes back. And it isn't health producing for our, our cellular system. Everything is vibration. And as we speak, we create. So being conscious and being highly intentional to speak beauty and to create beauty as we speak one of your the questions you sent me about how does this affect our sense of well-being and 
how and our awakening and there's so much awakening possible in in language and i i know i've shared this story um, a number of times elsewhere about walking in the park and saying to my invisible friends please give me a new word and they instantly gave me the real significance in the word beautiful they defined it uh, explicitly and it isn't look like uh, Britney Spears or act like this person it is be you to full and each of us as the infinite infinite form as we actualize our potential to be a, an expression of infinite love intelligence what comes forth to us and through us is so beyond our limited sense of our own beauty and intelligence we have a capacity that exceeds that is like the superhero we thought we were as small children that is a reality and this is the time to know that and joe dispenza has courses in breaking the habit of being yourself that's one of his books and becoming supernatural there are now processes that can really accelerate the letting go of the conditioning that caused us to believe that we are less than who and what we truly are as divine beings in this biorobotic system and, and and this is the time for all the all of us to find our superheroic capacities and cultivate them and when the doubt comes up and the belief that oh i don't have that or that's about someone not me you would not be alive today you would not have had the courage to incarnate in time for this big event in our species history if you yourself was were not uh, a being with enormous capacities that you may have forgotten but it's who you truly are and as we each hold the intention to be you to fall and to see the most beautiful in each other not the you know not the craziness that we sometimes feel and experience when we're off kilter but the true heart-centered soul that we are that's when eight billion strong we are larger than what's going on right now and this is the time and the universe i believe is is downloading higher ascension frequencies to us so at the time of five G, there's also the competition with five, well, of 5D, the competition with 5G, and the impulse toward uh, becoming the super organism that we can be connecting with our own highest expression and with each other that that unity consciousness impulse is is being subverted by this effort to create a herd like or an anteat out of human beings monitored by drones i mean it's it's just an exact mirror and we have the key 
to transcend through our elevation of consciousness and words have a role to play and to get your toe in the door, just play with words and see what happens. It sounds like words and the power of the voice is how we take our power back because of because that set the foundation of who we are, the sounds and the vibrations that come through and to us. Yes, those we speak and those we hear. So maybe being less available to media and all the conflicting stories and all the fear mongering on all sides of the equation and spending time within ourselves, within that sanctuary of our own heart and discovering that the center of the universe is in the center of our own being and the power of the universe is within our capacity to speak uh, a new reality into existence. And I look at the fact that the, the word life stream is the same as life's dream. We are collectively dreaming this together and we can dream a higher vision of possibilities into the reality of this dimension because we are dreaming it together and words create a lens for it. And, and that life sentence I shared is a very dark lens. And how about a lens that, that speaks to higher possibilities? So I can share some of these ideas in verse, some of which I, I have fully memorized and some I'll, I'll need to read a little bit, but we don't have to go there either. On my YouTube channel, there are a few poems and I'm excited to say that my poem on the letter S called Esoterica by Laurel Erica, the definitive exegesis on the letter S in verse will soon be an animation. And I mean, I wrote this poem about in the mid nineties. And at the time I was friends with Dr. Leonard Schlein, a man with an S name. And he was writing the alphabet versus the goddess. And I think he was um, one of the first to whom I read that poem. And he said, I don't know why people aren't paying you millions of dollars for your poems. So I have so much work that I've created and this piece animated is going to set the stage for creating more animations of my verse because the way I play with words and the way I put them together is to be, is music that sings the heart and awakens the mind. So stay tuned. If you're a subscriber at my website, wordmagicglobal.com, you will be informed when it becomes available. And you will also receive my poem, my, my book, my ebook, which is called The Book of E, A Book of Alphabet Alchemy. Please tell the listeners where they can find these amazing animations when they're ready, because obviously you. you said you're putting your energy towards that. And I'm excited to see uh, the fruits of this. Thank you. I, 
I'm delighted uh, too. And so there's my website, wordmagicglobal.com. There's a Patreon site, patreon.com, wordmagicglobal. There is uh, a YouTube channel. And because it's rather spendy creating this animation, it's going to be offered pay per view. And so that I can recover my costs and I can have the funding to create a lot more. So as a subscriber uh, to my website, you'll get the free book of E and you'll receive announcements about when Esoterica by Laurel Erica becomes available. First, it will be an animation, then it will be books, a book. And then, oh my gosh, I, I can't wait to make an animation of a poem called Meta Whimsical Rhyme Diamonds. There are so many fun, beautiful pieces that will be illustrated books and animations, and it will take some popular support to make that happen. But sign up on the website and also go visit YouTube and there'll be announcements on both places. Thank fantastic, you. fantastic. Please go support. Laurel Erica, she is bringing down the language of the birds and making it easy for us to understand. I've certainly benefited a lot from your wisdom, Laurel. So again, thank you. We're so grateful that you're able to join us here, not only on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, but the second edition of our special new series podcast called The Synchromystic Experiment in the Ever-Expanding Now. So that Laurel, is a gorgeous title. <laughs> thank you. And it, we're, we're hoping to help people see what there is to be seen, right? Thank you for tuning in. The journey continues from here on patreon.com slash MFTIC. Go there to see everything that there is to be seen in the synchro mystic exploration of the ever expanding now, because this was the experiment, folks. You found the results in your life now come join the journey take it on full swing with us on patreon.com slash mftic you can also support us on buy me a coffee buy me a coffee slash mftic that's the place to go and we have over 50 episodes of content on the patreon as well as the entire conversation with laurel erica thank you for joining us Yo! And have a great day, moment, in the now, wherever you are.